You're listening to the Burst Ball Podcast. Burst Ball, talking up the Scottish game. Hello, you are listening to the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast, episode number 129. I am your host as usual. But not on Friday, because that was Ross Clark. But now I'm back, I'm Hamish Carton. And today, for this wonderful look back at another exciting weekend of Scottish football filled with goals, drama, handstands and loads of other stuff, we have Andrew Gamba. Hello, Hamish. Is this your fourth in a row? Four in a row? Here we go, five in a row. <laughs> Lewis Kemp. How you doing, Hamish? Very well, thank you. And in the absence of anyone else Celtic-related, or just the fact that everyone else seems busy... We have a very special guest. We have Russell Abercrombie from the One Team in Ayrshire podcast. Russell, hello. Hello, Hamish. Very good to have you on the podcast. I'm sure it's a it's an absolute honour for you um, to be part of Burst Ball, but it's an equal honour for us to have you on it's as lovely, well, thank mate. you. And um, we're going to be getting your thoughts later on on Kilmarnock and other issues like that. However, for now, we are starting in a place where a lot of people probably thought we might not. And um, we're going to start with the phenomenal Iron Brew Cup semi-finals. And um, St Mirren, 4-1, demolition of the New Saints in the St Derby at the Paisley 2021 Stadium. St Mirren became only the third team to beat TNS since April last year. One of, these, one of those sorry, was the Cypriot champions, Apoel Nicosia, who are still going on in the Europa League. And they only lost 3-2 away to Athletic Bilbao last week. TNS, after that defeat to Apoel, went on a 31-game unbeaten run. And they won 30 of those matches. St Mirren, on the other hand, just two wins in the league this season. It's a hell of a shot, Gamba. Yeah, it was uh, fairly comprehensive from St Mirren. I expected, I, well, I, I somewhat expected them to win. I hoped, I hoped they'd win. Um, but to see them win so comprehensively was, was quite a surprise. I mean, for me, TNS were a bit of an unknown quantity in the game. I was trying to, I was trying to figure out like, where you would place them in terms of Scottish football. Probably win it. Just win Scottish football. They probably just win Scottish football. I, I mean, apart from when obviously you come up against Simon who just don't lose in cups. Apart from that one time mm. they did. But I was trying to think where would they be maybe Dunfermline when they were in League One or they a Championship team. I didn't really, I didn't really know where to place them. But um, mm. well, Gary Bowen, the former manager, said when he played when they played them in the uh, the cup earlier on, he said he thinks they'd be a mid-table Championship team in Scotland. So that's. I think they'd hold their own in the Premiership. I'm going to say that because I, I think like I'll read out all those stats. I know, I know we you love Welsh football, Lewis, and you're always advocating the brilliant Welsh teams on offer. <laughs> but I mean, they're a team who are just so dominant. They're winning games ten nil. Um, I almost look at it as a smaller scale Celtic thing. Uh, as would Celtic compete in English football? I, I think they would. Um, would TNS compete in Scottish football? I think they would. They, I mean, they did not pump Livy like three 0 Aye, but runaway leaders in League One. I, I don't see them. I, I don't like. So I'm just thrashed on four-one. Like, and I know obviously there's different kind of circumstances um, as to how that can happen. But I just don't see them as a top-flight team at all. Mm. Like, I, I'd go along with it. Uh, Russell said that like, they probably are a kind of mid-table championship team. Even a guy like, guy like Stephen Saunders, <laughs> you off. know, is <laughs> my only real reference here because there's only guy Wait, I really know. Wes Fletcher. Up top. Oh, sorry, yeah, him as well. I mean, they'd be kind of. Would they get into a kind of top flight team? Maybe. Oh, he struggled to get into the Dumbarton team, Stephen Saunders, <laughs> well, when he was last there. So he obviously got released and went down there. Um, 
he was okay at Ross County when he was up there, Stephen Saunders for a while, quite injury prone. I wonder if that's why he's done there. But um, I don't, I can't see them holding their own in the Premiership. Premiership, I'm afraid I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think I uh, maybe a mid-table might be nice championship. Nice to me, Russell. Team. You're just in the door. You're I know, I know. I'm disagreeing already, but uh, yeah. So. I, I can't see them. I couldn't see them doing well in the Premiership. I right. saw them against Livingston. I didn't see the game at the weekend. Um, I saw them against Livingston. They looked okay. They looked compact, quite Route One football. But um, no, nah, mid-table Championship. I think probably. How low down the Scottish football ladder do you need to go then to find a team that would run away with the Welsh Premier League? Air United. Yeah. No, I know we can. Without like, a striker. Well, well, yeah. United could win it with ten players. Like, <laughs> no. Just we lost some one. Like, we could win it without a goalkeeper. Yeah, of course, I. No, we, <laughs> Nan could score goals in that league. I've got a bit of a reputation here of kind of hating any football that's not Scottish, but um, in all honesty, the Welsh football is like you're talking. You're talking maybe not even like two hundred kind of crowds here at, at these games. There's, there's no interest at all in Welsh football. In in that kind of. And we're talking about the actual league here. In terms of Swansea and Cardiff, obviously they're big teams and they're far down your Wrexhams and stuff. But I mean, the league was only set up in the, what the nineties. Mm. Like, it's no, it's a kind of new thing. So I, I, I don't. I, I know we're kind of going to be a bit off track here, but um, in terms of the actual game itself, um, I thought it was very even up until the kind of Saunders uh, sending off and then some minutes just came into their own, got a lot of confidence from that, and I think they. Worthy winners, but obviously Gamble no better because he was mm. actually there. But. Yeah, bus ball talking down the Welsh game. TNS <laughs> that um, that Welsh team from Shropshire in England are knocked out of the Scottish Challenge Cup. Uh, Gamble, and you were there to see it. Yeah, aye, there was a great chant. We hate England more than you. <laughs> And then kind of realising they're kind of English. Was, uh, wait, was there actual fans in the, in the game? Aye. There was like barely any segregation as well. There was kind of just a few stewards. How many are we talking here? Was it, I'm going to say, 70 something? Maybe. For the Saints Derby? The Saints Derby. The, the big it's probably one, more man. than I get home games so far. <laughs> what was the game like, Cam? What was the game like? Yes, aye. It was, um, it was, it was fairly even. I thought the. the New Saints held their own and were probably the better team up until the absolute screamer uh, from again. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do think it. Oh, sorry, I do think it, it kind of did hinge on that red card. I did think it was the red card's a bit debatable. You can argue that he's maybe out of control when it comes in, but um, sorry, when the tackle comes in. But I would say that after that, St. Mirren really, really just dominated the game. Um, I know they, they, they missed a penalty. I think they probably should have had another one as well. Um, I think the guy that was... He dragged down John Sutton right in front of goal. I think I was lucky not to be a penalty and another red card for them. Mm. Um, I think, given the whole game, I think Saints are... Saints St. Saint Mirren are well-deserved to, to go through to the final. Um, but, I mean, New Saints gave a decent account of themselves and personally, I'm quite happy that they'll be back next year because I do think it adds an extra mm. dimension to the cup. Just as well, we're not thinking of uh, asking Dundalk uh, to come along because God knows how well they do in our cup. They'll probably is it run away with Irish it. teams that are um, coming into it next year? Are they yeah, thinking of that? Like, it's it's, it's the teams that don't uh, qualify for the Europa Europe. League. And forgive so. my ignorance, are they continuing with the Colt teams? Because, I mean, that was a I'd, complete success. I, I'd assume so. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That was so well. anything to the contrary, so... <sighs> God, we will see anyway. Um, that that victory for St Mirren keeps going this incredible run. As I said earlier, they've only won two from twenty three in the championship. They've won ten from eleven in the cup. Russell, what is this down to? What are St Mirren up to in the cups? 
the only thing you can really say is that the pressure of the league campaign's been taken off when they go to the cup games, and they're just they know there's not three points up for up for grabs that you know could help push them up the table, or they know that the other teams might not pick up points, and it's just kind of that's what they're doing. They're they're relaxing a bit more than they would do in the league, and you know they're managing to put in better performances than they would. Either that, or they're playing absolutely nobody's like TNS, and that's giving them a, a little bit more a little bit more of a a grasp, grasp in the game. Mm. The one thing about this game that obviously I didn't see the highlights as I said, but the best thing about the game for me was the fact that the Man of the Match award, I've seen it going around Twitter today, the Man of the Match gets a glass bottle of Iron Brew. Which <laughs> Incredible. Just, you get your Man of the Match any other match, you get a bottle of champagne or some beer or something like that. So, glass bottle of Iron Brew, so enough to the Iron Brew Cup for that. Mm. I think also the photos um, after the game of the, the holding the We're Going to the Final the wee Iron Brew banner I've never seen <laughs> guys brilliant. That look just so brilliant. unhappy well, As if they'd rather not be there The guys that were Holding the banner When Kilmarnock stayed up In the relegation <laughs> playoff Saying r- Playoff winners <laughs> And just like oh, What's the point in that I right, the mascot Was involved in that as well Yeah And they were all involved Kevin McHattie In a 1996 Kilmarnock top That was like Four <laughs> sizes too small for him Really bizarre picture <laughs> Yes um, St Mirren will be playing Dundee United It's fitting you talk about Um the, the old days, the 20th century, because I think this game, this final will signal, I think maybe the 30th anniversary of a, a famous final before we were we were all born. It was maybe the um, this maybe the Scottish Cup it final, something Scottish like that, a final of some sort between St Mirren <coughs> and Dundee United. And those are the two teams that will compete against each other again. Dundee United with a 3-2 win over Queen of the South. That was Saturday evening, I believe Dundee United raced into quite a healthy lead here. There's a bit of debate in the studio whether it was 2 or 3-0. I think it was 3-0. It, it was 3-0. Yeah. Yeah, um, Queen of the South scored 51st minute, Stephen Dobby. Derek Lyle scored uh, a stoppage time goal and maybe flatters them slightly. Probably from what I've heard, the defenders just been absolutely scandalous. Uh, it's unlike them because they were they were looked like under Gary Naismith that they were starting to to find a good bit of form. I think they're they're doing quite nicely. They're not going to make the playoffs in the mm-hmm. championship, but they are they're defending well by the looks of things. Clearly not on Saturday. Uh, I mean, I wonder how much of this is a case of Dundee United's just maybe with a point to prove just being ruthless. Um, you know, um, after getting clamped by Falkirk uh, during during the week, was it the weekend? Saturday, last Saturday, last Saturday. Um, maybe there's a point to prove there of. We need to give the fans something back because this has been a very shaky season um, and just Queen of South haven't been able to handle it. They've maybe collapsed defensively from there. Um, I mean, to go 3 nothing up in 35 minutes in a cup semi-final, I think there's a lot of credit due there, but again, probably Queen of South fans will probably be raging at the display from <laughs> from their defence. Yeah, that's where our coverage of that game finishes because we're, <laughs> we're going to the final now. We had a... I am a message in from the soon-to-be, well, I suppose he is now a member of the podcast, but you'll soon find out more about him, uh, Tom McKinnon, uh, Dundee United fan. He tweeted us in asking, where should the Challenge Cup final be held? Well, Tom, we have some ITK information. Um, This comes from St Mirren Active, who, of course, are one half of the final. They're saying they heard that Dundee United actually knocked back having the final on a Friday night. The Scotland game, I assume against Slovenia, is on the Sunday, uh, so it's got to be on the Saturday, and Fur Park is apparently the chosen stadium. Hmm, interesting. I've, I, I, get, I get told Airdrie. Oh. So there you go. Two ITKs, one's wrong. I'm probably wrong, to be fair. I, I, I trust your sources over mine. Yeah. I mean, Friday night final would be bizarre. It'd be interesting, but I can totally see why they wouldn't be up for that, because... <laughs> 
um, well, obviously you want to attract as many fans as you can to that. And yeah, cup finals. I know this is obviously I'm Brew Cup, but cup finals overall, they're kind of they do have a bit of a kind of family thing to them, and we all get kind of people out with the norm go to the games and you yeah, maybe discouraging that a wee bit piping on Friday night. Um, hmm. How many no. people were we looking at going to that game then? I think Dundee United you'll get a big support and St Mirren aren't a wee club either they're both, they're both used to be premiership clubs not so long ago last couple of seasons have come down I mean they're, they're clubs who for a big game like that and it is a, if you're in it it's a relatively big final I think I don't know could you get 15,000 is that completely mm. off it? No I was thinking 7, 8 I was thinking 8 as well close, uh, closer to 10 <laughs> 3 <laughs> nah, we'll, go, we'll go 8,000 Was there not a final A couple of years ago I don't know why Aloe or something like that Rings a bell And it was just a oh, Aloe Livingston Yeah was, just, was it not quite a poor turnout And it was just a kind was of that game That everyone's uh, forgotten McDermott I think No Possibly McDermott Park usually seems to be The one they go to If uh, in doubt For yeah, Park man. isn't really I mean years ago uh, It's probably a big compliment To the pitch now Because years ago It would never have got A shout in for anything like that But um, the pitch has massively improved Pitches are going to be A topic of the podcast today <laughs> As well, who wins that final then? We'll go around the table, starting with you, Russell. Uh, Dundee United for me. I think St Mirren's cup record, as you mentioned earlier, is excellent, but Dundee United have just got a better team across the board. Um, obviously, in a one-off game, anything can happen, using the cliches there, but I think, um, no, for me, uh, Dundee United will, will win that quite comfortably. Aye, I'll probably go with United as well. Like St Mirren's run in the Cups just says everything. They're going to end the, the treble hopes for Celtic in a couple of weeks. Uh, they're going to win the Scottish Cup and they're also going to win the Iron Brew Cup. Yep. Is that a good season if they go down but win both Cups? Yes. yes. It's not going to happen. Yes. But Aye. Well, they're probably going to have to play, what, three of the top four yeah. to win the Scottish Cup. Certainly Celtic. Mm. Um, but if they beat Celtic, which they will, they can beat no, anyone it's just else. just a given. Yeah, will we go and chat about the top league then? We'll go to Rugby Park and we'll start with this kind of Super Sunday that was on for some reason um, in Scotland. I don't know why, but well, I think it was because yeah, it was because English yeah, no, had nothing else to show, yeah. so they, they thought they'd, they'd fling Scottish on. Super Sunday. I quite enjoyed it though, and I've always said that this is something we should look at doing. I, I quite like the back-to-back games. I only saw the first half of the second game, but the first game we're going to touch on first. It was Kilmarnock one. Aberdeen 2 incredibly this is Aberdeen's 13th straight league victory over Kilmarnock um, Russell you'll be hoping that you, you won't have to play them next season and if you defend like you did in the last 5 minutes you might not have to oh, you're desperate to you're <laughs> desperate to see us get relegated so you can be proved right um, no yeah, it's, a ter- it's an absolutely terrible record since Derek McInnes has, has came in I was at the last game the, the game that we won up at um, Pataudry it was Kenny Shields was the manager was that 19 19- was <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's just a, it's a, a terrible record against Aberdeen. We used to have a really good record against them as well. There was a, it was a spell where I think it was three Aberdeen managers in a row lost their job after getting beat by Kilmarnock. <laughs> and, you know, it's just all of a sudden it's just completely changed. And it didn't look like that up until the 80th minute on sa- on Sunday. Sorry, we were... I think we played really well. It'd be harsh to say we were the better team, but Kilmarnock were, were solid. Our shape was so good at the back. We were um, playing really well. Ayer and Dicker and defence were doing really well, but... You know, I'm sure we'll go into it in a minute. The substitution just completely changed the game for us, and we uh, capitulated. Yeah, it was it was very much a game of 83 minutes and then seven. Yeah. Um, I thought, I don't know. I thought the first half was was quite a sloppy game. I thought there was a, a lot of uh, errant passes. I thought Aberdeen had the better of it. I think Niall McGinn's chance at the back post was a good goal, a good goalkeeping save. A um, few other kind of chances. Ryan Christie had a couple of headers, a couple of shots over the bar. But Kelly's goal in a way 
came out of very little they didn't create much in the first half but the goal went in it was a well worked goal I think we're all shouting at Jones to hit it but he brings it down he actually does quite well brings it down great first touch and clips it in um, and it, it gets deflected into the net um, McK- was it McKenzie? Aye? McKenzie yeah. yeah so I mean it's I thought in that way and I just thought as the game went on Kelly had chances like on Boyd had that, that shot for his 200th goal um, that nearly went in but what what changed the game Lewis was it the I mean, there's, there's been a lot of chat about the master stroke from McInnes. Is oh, it McInnes okay. doing well, or is it McCulloch with just a diabolical decision um, um, in his subs? It's maybe a combination of the both, but it's maybe uh, kind of way more on the side of it was Miles Addison <laughs> basically just having a complete mare at the back. Um, in terms of Aberdeen, I mean, I suppose bringing on Stockley and, and that, I mean, I suppose that maybe did help. Um, and it was a bit of a, you know, give him credit, credit was credit, credit's due. Um, it was a good substitution, and it was one of these ones where, you know, you are kind of just throwing everything forward. So you just deserve a bit of credit for that. However, I mean, I think to anyone, it's pretty obvious what, what went wrong. Like, because, mm-hmm. you know, nothing like that happened um, in the previous other it's 83 minutes. Mm. It looks match, good so. for McInnes. I mean, the two subs it come does, on and yeah, score the yeah, two goals. Credit to Evan McFarlane as well on Twitter who, who called it. I think at half time he said that Aberdeen would bring on Stockley and, and boss it, and that's in the end what kind of happened. Just put the ball at the park, Addison. I've, I've honestly, I don't think I've slept since Sunday. Just <laughs> over and over again, just Addison, just trying to see it out or see it back to the goalkeeper. It's Everyone just, saw it coming. Ugh, I can, I, the substitution was sorry. I'll just be a bit close to the microphone there. The substitution, in a way, I want to defend it because. I can see from the perspective at the time, because it's all very well with hindsight to say, look what happened. And yeah, Dicker and Ayer were playing well together. But I can understand that they're both midfielders. The idea to then get a, you know an experienced defender in the back to maybe talk Ayer through the end of the game, put Dicker in midfield. But you know it just completely went the opposite way. When we had Ian Wilson, on the, who came on later on, who could have easily just came into midfield uh, to replace Stevie Smith. And it would have, you know, it would have been a lot less of upheaval. But... Miles Addison's just I, I just I don't know what he's thinking he's trying to see that ball back to the goalkeeper and it's just I don't know it's just is, giving me nightmares is that the worst piece of defending you've seen in that box since Carly Osborne against Hamilton in that box specifically yeah but it's one of the worst <laughs> bits of defending I've seen since Miles Addison tried to head the ball on the ground away to Inverness <laughs> uh, before his injury he's he, he came in last season and uh, towards the end of the, the season Lee Clark brought him in and he was he was excellent he's a big unit he you know, organise the defence, but like we'll, we'll obviously go talk to the Rangers Dundee game in a bit. I don't know whether he actually looked good or it was just because up against the players he was, you know, replacing, it made him look better. Kind of same, say along the same lines of Clint Hill. Uh, whether is he actually that good or is it just because he's, you know, mm. alongside <coughs> Keelan that he actually looks like a, a decent player? But um, this season, you know, he's been playing with an injury and he's uh, had an operation, and things like that, but. He just he doesn't look the same player and he's just it was just a terrible, terrible cameo appearance that's cost us three points really. Yeah, Aberdeen the victory uh, coupled with Rangers defeat at Dens Park that will come on to it means that there's now a six point gap in second and you've got to fancy them now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um I, I think this is we've talked about this previously on the podcast about Aberdeen's strength and depth. That's the Party Thistle game was won by substitutes. Yeah. This game's been won by substitutes. That's a four point. That's four points won by substitutes in the past couple of weeks now from Aberdeen. That's the difference between if they were to lose a game 
and Rangers were to win a game, they'd go ahead. Mm. They've now got a six-point gap. There's the strength and depth there for Aberdeen. I don't, I don't see them losing second. Anyone want to disagree with that? No, I'll just echo what Gamba said. Um, I, th- I think it's pretty much. I think, if anything, as much as uh, a lot of that game was down to kind of poor uh, Addison, really, but um, there was an aspect where you know Aberdeen did grind, grind out the result, and that's something that we've not. I don't think we've seen from Rangers or Hearts or or any other team this season apart from Aberdeen and a lot of these games. If anything, I think it bodes well for them going forward. What's the latest on the new Kelly manager? Then that's the real reason we've got you on, Russell. Well, nothing really. As uh, Lee McCullough's been interviewed, and he says that you know he's not sure whether he wants the job permanently. He said the same thing uh, after Gary Locke left. I, I, I don't know. I don't have any inside information, but I, I just don't see him taking it. I don't think he thinks he's ready for it yet. Um, he's not really put out the. You'd expect him to be, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm going to see how things go over the next couple of weeks, but yeah, I'm definitely interested in taking the job. But he's never said anything like that, and he's very tentative, and I just don't think he's got any interest whatsoever. For me, I don't see him taking it out to the end of the season. I think Kelly will end up bringing someone in. It's you know two big games coming up St. Johnson and Motherwell. Uh, after that, I think that I wouldn't be surprised to see Kwan that brings somebody in until the end of the season. Um, but... You know, if we do do that, the, the question started, are we going to le- be making the same mistakes as we did with Gary Locke? Uh, do we give somebody the job now? And then, you know, six, six weeks down the line, go, oh, what have we, what we done? You know, mm. just because he had a few, you know, had a decent performance on Sunday, you know, as we say. And with St. Johnson, they've got a few injury problems and Motherwell aren't exactly fantastic and they've got Mark McGee as the manager. So there's always a chance that we could pick up some results in the next couple of weeks. But um, for me, there's a lot of talk and a lot of Kelly fans are... Me and Kelly Carl are kind of similar in the way we don't mind the United and a lot of Kelly fans getting on there. So, um, but a lot of Kelly fans are saying that we they want somebody with a link to Kilmarnock. I don't see that being necessarily something we need. Hmm. Uh, Gary Holt was obviously in the director's box on Sunday. Uh, so a lot of rumours are that he he's going to take the job. Um, but for me, should be trying to get Lee McCulloch to... I'm happy with him to take the job to the end of the season if he's, if he's willing to do it and then do a thorough recruitment drive and actually do what we didn't do when Gary Locke got the job. Actually, you know, we didn't even, as Kelly Cal said in the last one of the last shows here, that we didn't even you know ask for applications the last time. Which is the squad. The reason that Michael Johnson gave at a fans uh, supporters association meeting was that the players all liked him, and the players. I mean, the players aren't there anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like the players, the squads, the commandment changes every every couple of weeks. You can't you can't base your managerial appointments on. The play, who the players are going to like because of course the players are going to like Gary Locke because he's a lad he's, he gets on well with the players he's a good lad he's a good lad he's good a good football, football man, man. Ah, he is Billy Brown would say I was chatting to a current Wraith player um, who used to be at Kilmarnock I think you might know who I mean uh, on Saturday night and he was saying that uh, he loved Gary Locke um, as a as a a guy, as you say, uh, he said he wasn't the best manager. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that is the, the latest in command. It will keep you updated. Um, I'm sure of that uh, over the next couple of weeks or so. But it may well be Lee McCulloch um, until the end of the season or someone else who we will see. Dundee beat Rangers Lewis in the second game of our hashtag Scottish Super Sunday. Dundee were vibrant. They were excellent. Whiten, O'Hara, Oyama, all fantastic. What about the way they, they set out and they played against Rangers? They they pressed Rangers right from the start, unlike they'd done in their, their previous two meetings this season. I thought um, just even the team selection just before the match, I thought it was quite um, quite ambitious and showed a lot of kind of 
Oh, a bottle almost through um, Hartley to kind of set his team up that way. Um, is that because the fear factor is gone? Oh, probably, aye. As simple as that, aye. Pro- probably that is the case. Um, also, like to point out that I actually uh, predicted this exactly in the predictors. Yeah, I, I, I said with 2 1 to Dundee. Um, nobody else even, uh, well, I think Johnny said it would be a draw, but nobody else said it would, uh, Dundee would win. But uh, no, I am um, fantastic um, performance. Like, Probably the uh, probably the best performance of the season. Really, mm. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, and a real, you know, we're talking about you know a, a team that have seen their ups and downs this season, and you know are still in that kind of relegation kind of battle almost with the rest of the other seven teams. Um, results like these, you know, they're, they're huge, huge, huge for Dundee. Yeah, this is Dundee's week to kind of peak above everyone else in that bottom seven. Uh, six is an important number here as well, Gamba. Dundee are into the top six. Rangers are six behind Aberdeen, as we said earlier. What now for Dundee? Because they were, they were fantastic on Saturday. Yeah, they'll be hoping Sunday. to... Sunday, Sunday, sorry. The Super Sunday, how could you forget? <laughs> uh, aye, they'll be hoping to consolidate that place. Um, that is obviously much easier said than done because we know <laughs> that uh, that sixth place changes all the time and it's 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 hard to, to keep a hold of. Um, I, would fan- I would fancy Dundee to, to hold on to it. Um, as much as I really, really want to see a Dundee-Dundee United playoff, um, yeah. I, d- I, don't think, I don't think it'll be happening. Um you know, regardless of the situation at Rangers, this is a fantastic win for them. I mean, you're you're thinking that they can maybe take this and build on it and build up a, a run of results. Um, and I know they had a good result against Kilmarnock. So, you know, again, their six is a good place. It's a false position, but they'll be hoping they can hold on to it. And if they play like that, then I think they could be okay. I just got the impression when I was watching uh, Dundee on Sunday that they were... They were just excellent, they were vibrant, they've got real good young mm. players. I think Craig Whiten's a player that just massively mm. impressed me every time I see him. I think Mark O'Hara's another one. He started the season well, kind of faded for a period, I think he maybe had injury troubles, but he's certainly come back. He's got a real knack of surging into the box, almost like Stephen Naismith used to do at the right <coughs> time, and he's got a good finisher on that. First goal's brilliant, great work from Whiten mm. and um, Oyama. Outwide, who I think has been another uh, another massive addition uh, to the Dundee team. We'll hear from uh, Paul Hartley now after the game. Pleased for the players, um, the plan that we'd work, worked on all week, um, they carried out properly today. Um, from the, the first whistle, um, we got after Rangers. We changed the shape a little bit um, to four four two, but our intent was to put as much pressure on Rangers as possible, and um, we managed to do that. The fight, the desire, the work rate from the first whistle to the last was immense, wasn't it? Yeah, the work, the work rate was incredible today. Um, the fitness levels were, were terrific and just that desire to just keep running and, and to put Rangers under pressure and um, we done that. Yeah, Paul Hartley, um, very happy. wouldn't quite say he's doing handstands. That was the other manager that was doing <laughs> handstands on Sunday. Graham Murty, does he want to be there, Russell? No. <laughs> so he just—you can tell. Obviously, he didn't interview with the BBC because of the ongoing situation between BBC Scotland and Rangers Football Club, as they always mention on Sports Sound. But it's um, yeah, he does it. He doesn't look like he really wants to be there. He obviously, when he was on the touchline and you're manager a team, you you know you want that team to do well, and he you know tried his backwards role that got a lot of a lot of good pictures going about online on on Sunday evening with that. But nah, I don't think he's. And personally, I don't. I don't even think that he's got the managerial credentials. Just looking at that, like looking at the the team selection alone you're, on you're on Halliday Sunday at right mid. 
for me more was um, Kenny Miller playing in the hole behind Garner because that kind of negates the good things that Kenny Miller's got and what he's done this season because Miller's this season it's that hard work pressing the defenders he's he almost as if he had a free roll on Sunday allowed to do what he wanted and he kept tracking back and trying to cover everybody and it just kind of took away from his game Rangers their only really game plan was to play the ball out wide to Mackay and Tavernier and hope mm. they get crosses in and you know Dundee are just going to Garner's okay in the air but that's never going to it's never going to be a game plan for a, a team like Rangers who again I say that a team like Rangers but you know it's just not a the style of play you'd expect from them they just didn't seem to have any plan B and that's not just a Warburton issue it seems to be an issue that's just you know systemic through the club mm. Do they have a leader at that club Andrew? Uh, uh, you would you would hope it would be like somebody like Kenny Miller but <sighs> I mean I, I don't know I, I couldn't make I couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on with that team on Sunday <laughs> That's a nice choice of word there with Marty <laughs> <Duhal>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But it was just it was just so strange like it's it's not a case of like okay you'd you'd stick Kenny Miller in the centre forward role and he's going to you know he's going to lead the line and he's going to show he's going to lead by example and things like that. I have no idea where he was playing <laughs> he's playing right back for part of it he was yeah, tracking right. back he was he was trying to get involved but you want Kenny Miller up top i yeah. mean i've never agreed with Barry Ferguson before in my life but i'm about to <laughs> oh, do God. it and that he was spot on last night in sports when he's saying that you where do you want Kenny Miller this season? You want him in the positions where he scored the double against Motherwell and he scored against Celtic. You want him in these positions where he can score goals. He's not scoring goals for 80 yards for his own goal. I don't know quite what was happening. Um, we'll probably come on to the handstand as well, Lewis, because it yes, is. It, I, I have seen <laughs> it so so many times and I don't know what's going on. I can't believe what happened there. Like I, I came out of work, I'll explain my story. I came out of work on Sunday night, having not seen the second half, and I was sent this still image of him <laughs> on his head. And the video hasn't gone to explain it yet. I still don't know what happened. Not at all. I mean, let's be honest, you're no true Rangers manager. Um, <laughs> firstly, wears a tracksuit, they always wear suits, and they always sit in the stand. They certainly don't um, do handstands during the game. Um, I, I mean, it was hilarious. I don't know like what he is doing though. Like he's obviously just in complete shock at um, something that's happened, and uh, it's the Forrester miss. Is it yeah. Forrester miss? Right? Yeah, yeah setting him to such a shock that he's well. It was, it was quite shocking. It was a, it was a very poor miss. Um, but yeah, that, that that is Graham Murty. What maybe about? Just, sorry, sorry. Nah, Hamish, maybe, maybe he was just shocked that Joey Garner's actually scored a goal as he's. Uh, that's his first goal since October. That's him back two ahead of Derek Boyer. I, I saw a good, I saw a good start that he's only got one goal more than Dembele has hat tricks now. So that's. Uh... Can we can we please put this debate to rest that Garner's like anywhere near decent? Scored at the weekend. Come on, one and one. He's absolutely. I, I don't. Guff. I don't think he's, he's guff. He is. He's not. He's he not is. a one point eight million pound player. Well, I, I don't think he's terrible. Are. I think if you give him a run of games over the course of the season, I think he'll score you double figure goals. Well, the amount of chances he gets at Rangers, he should be scoring double figures. Everybody yeah, should see, be. But double figures, as in like closer to ten or closer to twenty. Like ten. Aye. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's. I'm not just standing up to be kind of controversial. I don't think he's quite as bad as people make out. I think. I don't think he's been helped by the 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 kind of plan to get him to number one in the charts and the fact that it was nearly £2 million it was paid for him, he's not been helped by that but I think if you take his and, and also the fact he is a wee annoying <coughs> dick, oh. dick when he's playing isn't he, uh, but I, I, I don't th I think if you give him a run of games and I appreciate that he should be scoring that for Rangers of course any Rangers striker should, he should probably be scoring more, but I think he would score over the course of a season, double figure goals in the league. But, but I mean you can't take away the fact that he is a 
two million pound player and yeah, just hasn't had to offer him at all. Like, um, I, I think it's more Rangers' fault for paying that for him. Oh, definitely. It's not his fault that mm, the maybe. Rangers paid that for him, but I don't think he's I don't think he's performing anywhere near where he should be. And you look at Chris Boyd doesn't play every week. I think he's got six goals in the league so far, and mm. I think the general consensus is that he's probably in the twilight of his career. Is the nicest way to put that. Mm-hmm. Would Chris Boyd score the amount of goals that Joe uh, Joe Garner has at Rangers? I don't think Chris Boyd would do any worse than Joe Garner. And uh, Rangers had him a few years ago and released him. So it's just, I I don't think he's. I, I agree in a way with you, Hamish that I don't think he's as bad as people make out. I just don't think he's anywhere near good enough to be a striker for a team that's hoping to finish second in the Scottish Premiership because you look at Aberdeen they've got um, obviously they've got um, Rooney and they've also got McGinn who can play there they've got Stockley who comes off the bench to offer something Rangers Joey Garn- Joe Garner's mm. just for me he's not up at that level of Adam Rooney anywhere near it he's probably not even the level with somebody like Boyce who would Boyce yeah, no he's, cost he's definitely much. not at that level we, we've all said that before like yeah. Boys to Rangers is a, surely a no-brainer. Like, he, he's not even in the short mm. term. Before even talking about that, I mean, well, I remember when uh, Griffiths signed for Celtic, and myself and a lot of Celtic fans were kind of doubtful over it, saying, "Oh well, he's stepping up here, and he's he, he won't be good enough for Celtic." And you know, okay, that good he's done. I mean, I think it makes a big difference when you play for a team that create as many chances mm. as Rangers do. I mean, you do create a lot of chances, they just don't have anyone putting it in the back of the net. Boy's such an aggressive player as well. Yeah. He'd fit in I, really well with mm. the traditional, yeah. uh, traditional Rangers uh, <laughs> way of playing, you know, that kind of bustling centre-forward mm. who doesn't give the defenders a moment. And I understand Garner's that kind of player, but he's not as good for me as, as somebody like Boyce. And, yeah, Boyce would just fit. It seems mm. like a no-brainer, as you say, that Boyce to Rangers, but, you know, it doesn't seem Rangers are... He'd have cost what, maybe half a million. Yeah, but if I, that, he would if not that. cost two million. Yeah, anyway, let's put it that way. I don't think you'd have Garner in your top ten strikers in the league. Put it that no. way. I think no. you'd have Malt, you'd have Johnson, you'd have Stephen McLean, you'd have Boyce, um, probably Dembele, Adam Rooney, probably Dembele, uh, Griffiths, Nadir Chief, Chieven, maybe. Well, he's not even playing in Scotland <laughs> anymore. Yeah, um, Johnson's a great shout at heart. So. Yeah, I think that's what it boils down to. But um, for me personally, I wouldn't go massively over the top either way. I'd say it's been about a three, four out of ten. I wouldn't say it's been a one out of ten. I wouldn't say it's been an eight or a nine out of ten. Um, Rangers, in terms of their new manager and also a new role as a director of football, PA Sport, were reporting that they've held interviews um, as they, they seek to, to fill those two roles. I believe they've spoken to Ross Wilson, formerly of Falkirk, who's at Southampton. He's the director <coughs> of recruitment and scouting at Southampton. Um, people like that they spoke to them obviously in terms of the manager which is kind of the one that will always create the biggest interest uh, Gamba they've heard Alex McLeish mention we've heard Frank De Boer mention Derek McInnes people like that are we any further forward as to, to who the next Rangers manager will be? Um, I'm, I mean I'm not entirely sure but I, I think they'll be looking at that result on the weekend and thinking Get one yeah in. we need, need somebody more experienced than Marty in at the mm. moment um, I mean again if you are taking that kind of point of view you're, you're probably going after McLeish I think that as the more Rangers slip up in games with Martin Charge, the more McLeish seems like a viable option yeah. because the gap now, and we're looking, this is St Johnson, are only six points behind Rangers now. And the way St Johnson are grinding out victories, 
Rangers don't look like they're capable of winning games. They've they've not won um, a league game since the Motherwell game at the end of January. Um, I appreciate that that's not a hell of a long time ago, but it's three games in a row they've not won in the league. They've lost two of those matches, games that they, they shouldn't really be losing, certainly 4-1 away at Tyne Castle. The players need a massive boost, I think, to get them over the line, if that's what you want to call it. Not into second, but just into third, a European place. Fourth, yeah. fourth maybe a European place this year as well, but even fourth, you wouldn't guarantee them now, would you? The issue with that is what you're saying about the more they slip up, the more likely it is somebody that McLeish is going to be brought in. Yeah. The issue, if I was a Rangers fan, that I'd be worrying about is that if they bring that manager in before they bring the director of football in, that could really just you know mess everything up straight away because mm-hmm. you need to have that director of football in place and the yeah. director of football needs to be there at the recruitment to make sure they have the type of manager that he can work with. Because if you've got a director of football... The, then you bring in a manager and they, t- they two don't work together, they can't work together, they've got different ideas, they've got different views, then it's a completely pointless scenario and it's mm-hmm. just going to cause friction. So Rangers need to make sure they get the director of football appointment right first and then make sure the director of football is heavily you know, taken apart in the managerial uh, recruitment. I don't personally see if they're going down the director of football role. I disagree, I don't think McLeish will take the job. I think, oh, I think he would take it, but I don't think Rangers would go for it because... You know his history of working in was it Belgium was it Ghent? Yeah, that's what I was, I was talking about. That. that it didn't work. It didn't work out well. McLeish and the director of football didn't get on. Director of football was, you know, he McLeish just didn't like working with him. Was he not a the, bit of a psycho though. Yeah, there was yeah. talk about that in sports. <laughs> I yeah. think like um, I'm trying to actually remember what it was that was actually said. But um, I think he would just sign the players and just yeah. bring them yeah, in. Basically. McLeish would have no say in it whatsoever. Aye. Whereas normally, well, this was it. There was a player that was um, acting out or something oh, and right, um, yeah. was being disruptive, and he wanted to drop him. And you know, he he wouldn't have it at all. Director of football, mm. and he didn't want him dropped and stuff. So, yeah. But uh, and and saying that though, I mean, he does have history of do, like. Working Not under that role, so he's obviously aware of what yeah. it is. Um, I'd probably go along with you as well. I I don't really think McQueen will get it. Um, did you say uh, Mowbray was three to one at some point? I did see that uh, earlier. Tony Mowbray was somehow three to one. It was. I'm Ra- not advocating him, by the way. I'm just Rangers culture. Um, tweeted it earlier, and it was. I thought it was a joke at first, but he, he was literally. I think he was second choice. Like Billy Davis was out at like eleven to one. Tony Mowbray was three to one. That that just would not happen. Con- convince me that wouldn't happen. It'd be as funny as anything if it did. When you take speak that of one Mowbray, the I, that's the type. He's the type of manager I would, would take a risk at. Come on, look, he's, uh, he's. I think he's getting a you know a history of working with young players. He did well when he was at Hibs. Obviously, he's not had the best career since then. But he's the type of manager I would go to. Come on, look, as for the Rangers situation, yeah, I guess I can't see it being McLeish if they're they're bringing a director of football in. I just don't see that being a long term. Point if you're bringing a director of football in, what you're wanting to do is set up that long term plan, maybe similar to what. Um, hearts have got where there's supposedly a succession plan and even if there's you know the the coaches don't come through like they haven't at the moment they have another plan in place i.e a a cathro type plan where they know the type of man that they go out and get i don't think mcleish really fits into that he's a he's a short term Mm -hmm. a short term fix for a long term long-term problem really and yeah i I think mcleish would be a, a poor choice Yep, final shout out before we move on to Dundee. The first home league win over Rangers since 1992, and that is a Russell Abercrombie stat as well. We don't do our own research on this show. Yes. (coughs) Hearts 1, Inverness 1. Hearts are certainly a club that have the director of football model going at the moment. It doesn't seem to be helping them too much in the last couple of games. Anyway, a 1 1 draw with bottom club. Inverness, uh, Carol Tremarco with another goal, he's actually the top scorer somehow now of players still at Inverness, I think he's got four this season, Dumbaya had five uh, but he's obviously moved on um, 
how does that even happen? How does Carol Tremarco become your top scorer? <sighs> just lack of goals from elsewhere, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> defending like that from Hearts as well. Just yeah, yeah. I think we should talk about that defending. It's absolutely mm. brutal. <laughs> like the cross comes in. It's not. It's an okay cross from. Is it Tansy? Uh, it's an okay cross. But Tremarco just goes free. Is it Seolus? He just stops. Do you know what I mean? He just doesn't do anything. He just stops dead. Yeah. He leaves Tremarco to run. Jonsson's position is really poor. He gets caught under the ball. Uh, Hughes as well. He just gets caught uh, with Louis Lang. And it's, it's a free header. It's absolutely... I mean, I th- you'd expect any decent defender to put that on target. And oh, it's just absolutely terrible from Hearts. Yeah, in terms of the Hearts goal, they did fight back and they got the equaliser just into the second half. 64 minutes. It came from Arno Zoom back from his ruling of Africa as a continent with Cameroon with AFCON um, the news regarding Arnold Zoom isn't good for Hearts fans though because apparently um, according to the Daily Record that he has dropped a bombshell and he's revealed that he's ready to quit the club in the summer um, I was reading about this earlier basically he said that he's enjoyed his time at Hearts they enjoyed chasing Celtic last season they've enjoyed um, doing the same again this season but also competing with uh, the likes of Aberdeen and Rangers in the top flight but he feels that um, it's time to move on to a bigger club. It's kind of interesting comments to make from from a player like that who's still under contract. He only signed right. a new contract, I think, till twenty eighteen, um, which is only next year. But um, I wasn't even aware of that. Yeah, I, um, I that's what I was about to say. There, it is quite bizarre timing. Even if you take the contract thing out, out of it, um, you know what we're in February now. Like, <laughs> yeah. why is he not saying this at the end of the season when it, you know they've not got games to play and stuff? So, I am. Um, very bizarre. Um, to I mean, to the game itself, I thought um, I thought and I, I probably deserve a wee bit of credit. I know obviously Hearts were probably the better team and um, should have probably won the game. Um, obviously they missed the penalty, but I think Inverness just for grinding it out. I think they do look a wee bit better on the Kai up front. I think he's starting now to kind of find his feet a wee bit. And we obviously they had a uh, uh, Lang and uh, McCart, um both centre back. That's a brand new centre back. Mm. Part was apparently quite impressive. I thought they, were, they were pretty decent, aye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just some quotes from Jim going back to that. It's 2019, by the way, contract extension, <laughs> so it makes it even kind of stranger. Um, last season at Hearts, I had a very good season. We finished third behind Celtic and qualified for Europe. I scored seven goals and had six assists. It was thanks to these performances that Cameroon manager Hugo Bruce noticed me, saw my qualities, included me for the tournament. Hearts are a good team in Scotland who play good football. Um, he did go to say, I hope to have another good season and by June take a step towards a better club. <laughs> Bit of a bombshell at the end there. It was such a nice interview and then um, he'd be a massive missile. I mean, I think Jim's a cracking player whenever mm. I see him. He's a player I think can go on um, very high uh, in the game. I could certainly, when we had the question in a while ago, I think it might even have been Russell that asked it in terms of players who could play in the, the Premier League down south. I think Jim over time could certainly... Um, could certainly look at doing that I think he's a cracking player he's got everything you need he's got a real pace about him he's got a good first touch he's strong as well and clearly if he's playing for the best team in Africa as well um, he has clearly got something uh, about him Bobby Madden abysmal is the three words I've got written down here I've not actually seen it so, uh, but I've heard, heard a lot of chat that apparently was pretty poor am I right? wrong? I've not seen really too much of the game I've just seen the highlights Um just I, was, I was going off Pints and Penalties podcast who, who called him uh, very poor. I'll just quickly, mm. if I can quickly just go back to the Arnold Jim thing. I think the timing of it's interesting. What Lou said there about it being um, the timing, it's the end of February. I think it's interesting if you look online at the, the dates that a lot of the transfer windows around the world shut. 
Um, there's a week left of the Chinese transfer window. There's uh, a week left of the Polish transfer window. A couple of days left in the Russian. Um, there's other loads of other leagues in the world that the transfer window's still open. So, and just certainly Japan and South Korea, where there's a lot of money. Interesting timing, I would say, for that. Um, and I wouldn't be bowled over, surprised if it heard in the next couple of days that Arnold Jim's, you know, being linked to a move to one of those countries. Because, you know, I think I think we. He's got. A, he had a really good time at the African Cup of Nations, obviously, as you mentioned. So now's the time if you're looking for money, and now's the time to you know play off the back of that and try and get your move to a bigger club and you know make your money for the next couple of years. And I wouldn't be bowled over if you know that happens the next couple of days. Um, am I right in saying that Osman So when he moved to China was that June January was that the yes, window? Yes, it was January. It was, right, okay, completely wrong. <laughs> the Chinese transfer window is open from the first of January to twenty eighth of February. So. Right. It's uh, it's still open for another week, and you know it's, I would I'd say I wouldn't be surprised. Mm, it's crazy figures as well. They brand about I think it was nearly two million or something for <laughs> Osman Soul. It was one point five or something like that. Ma- massive amounts. Um, final kind of talking point here, Gamba, is to do with the Hearts pitch. They're currently, as we speak, probably well, maybe it'll be dark now, so probably not. Um, but earlier on today, they were relaying um, a new pitch. This is a bit of a strange move but on the face of things during the season I think their next game is the 1st of March they've got 10 days or so um, to let it bed in but um, bit of a, a kind of bizarre one yeah I mean you can understand with the kind of style the Hearts play that this is you, it's well intentioned I would say you know um, whether it has enough time to kind of settle in and they can play on it mm. and who knows we'll, we'll find that out in time Um the, the the quality of the game I thought from from watching the highlights it looked like an absolutely cracking game yeah. so I mean I, I don't know if it affected the, the quality of the match at the weekend it was obviously uh, much divided after the Hibs game yes. but um, yeah I mean you can see where they're coming from Hearts you know you know, standard football and cliche. They're a football team. You know, they pass it about. So, are they? well, are they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would say so, definitely. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely well intentioned. I mean, hopefully, it works out for them. But I mean, the whole stadium's getting done over at the moment. Maybe it's just not ah stuff. It will just lay your pitch. Why not? They're spending a lot of money though on the pitch. I think um, I saw something. Um, I saw something online about it, and they're, they're spending like. What, Obviously, this uh, resurfacing, but the other resurfacing as well, they're spending over like over a million on it. Like, mm. that's, that's not coming cheap. You saw with Hamden as well, though, the 10, ten days odds not usually enough to let you know the pitch bed in. Yeah. When Hamden, when they did it, and Hamden spent a lot of money on relaying that pitch, and that first game, it was just you know, it was pulling up, and it was just it clearly mm. ha- hadn't had time to bed in. So I just wonder if there'll be a wee um, oh the roads are quite icy when it comes to ten days time or a wee a wee power cut maybe on the the Saturday at half two something like that just to <coughs> give the pitch a wee extra week. Just quickly, apparently they're spending one point two million on this uh, resource and another as well. So I know Jim's money away, Jim's <laughs> away, and the money's getting spent on a new pitch. Good Thanks stuff. For memories. We're staying with pitches and we're going to the Celtic Park pitch because Brendan Rodgers had a wee bit of a a dig. Um, dig, see what I did there at the Celtic Park pitch uh, on Saturday after a 2-0 victory over Motherwell doesn't seem to halt Celtic or didn't seem to halt Celtic too much Lewis but it was uh, it didn't look great no not at all um, which is you know you're talking about you're, you know Celtic are so far ahead of everyone everything almost this season that for them to have the pitch in the state that it is, I think, is um, quite a bad reflection on the kind of ground staff there. What surface could Celtic play on and still beat teams? 
Gravel. Gravel. Um, Blaze. A- ash, yeah, ash. Red ash. There you go. Water. Water. I tried to be, uh, this is going off on a little tangent here, but I tried to be clever in my football manager save and I took Kilmarnock away to a pre-season trip to Portugal and I tried to make my first couple of games against absolute no marks to try and get the players' confidence up and the first match I played it and it turned out that the pitch was orange and the two teams I'd organised my friendlies against played on Blaze and half my squad got injured. So, uh, yeah, but I still think Celtic would probably go there and beat every team in Scotland on that pitch as well, so... This this pitch though at Parkhead has been a kind of recurring theme. Dialer yeah, since the Commonwealth Games. I since I, since you know it was replaced by a big dance floor basically for the Commonwealth <laughs> Games. Um, Tea cakes. Yeah, Jesus. Since John Barrowman started cutting <laughs> shapes in the virtually. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I Dialer's been getting kind of well was getting stuck into it mm. points during the winter of the previous two seasons. Again, new manager comes in saying similar things. Mm. So. The pitch of Parkhead was fine before they relayed it. I don't understand how this has mm. been the case, but Brendan clearly wants it sorted. Yeah, the, the pitch and perhaps a kind of slack Derrick Boy at a pass um, maybe had something to do with our next talking point from the game. Probably the only two talking points. It was the, the tackle, um, if you want to call it that. I've got kind of, <sighs> uh, what do you call them, quotation marks around the tackle uh, from Bowman. Um Sorry. Yeah, Ryan what's Bowman. his Ryan Bowman? Can think his first name. Ryan Bowman uh, on Kieran Tierney. It was a bit of a, a naughty one. This I thought. I thought it was um, very fortunate, uh, and that's putting it lightly. Not to get a red card. I, I can't believe it wasn't a red card. It's a kind of one. Um, and I was chatting about it on my other Celtic podcast that, or my other Celtic, my only other Celtic <laughs> podcast. Um, I was chatting about. Um, <laughs> the the way if this happened down south, the kind of thing that would happen in match of the day, and you'd just see a red card getting flashed, and there'd be no real discussion. Um, what do you guys think, Russell? I mean, I, I was a bit shocked it wasn't a red. Yeah, it was it's ridiculously high, especially when you see the pictures of the you know Tierney's leg bleeding. It's just uh yeah, it's crazy. Like, well, I just flash back to try and bring it to Kilmarnock of Greg Taylor's tackle and Joey Barton. Um, got the ball. That wasn't anywhere near as high <laughs> as that. Both red, both red cards. Stonewall. I don't think there's any real arguments towards that. Bowman's lucky to be lucky to still be on the pitch and lucky not to have a you know an elongated ban. Mm-hmm. I don't know the necessarily the rules specifically about it, but or whether he's able, whether you know the the compliance officer can look at it and because I think you know he needs to players like that need to be punished if they're going to make tackles like that because it's just it's could have seriously injured a guy who's just came back from injury probably one of my favourite players in the league and he's uh, that shouldn't obviously it shouldn't matter who you're tackling against even if it's some <laughs> like an ideal like Joey Barton but it's just um, yeah it's, something needs to be done about about players that are making tackles like that because it's, it's not on yeah I agreed with Barry Ferguson early on in the podcast but he made an absolutely oh, ridiculous oh, comment last that, night <laughs> um, I think all that matters is that Tierney's alright and we move on. I mean, is that the way you go about it? Do you just say, oh, Tierney's all right, it doesn't matter. It was a challenge for me that was a real, real nasty one. And I don't care how much you say. Scott McDonald was on as well. He was saying, he's not that kind of boy. That's the first thing you always hear when someone yeah, makes yeah. a tackle. And the point was made, I think, by Stephen McGowan um, at the Daily Mail. He was saying that referees obviously don't ref in that way. He's not that kind of boy. I'm not going to send him off. He should have gone for it. And for me, it was just it was a real nasty challenge. And I think it's something that's creeping in. Um, to Kieran Tierney's game in terms of a lot of people seem to be kind of targeting him. It's a strange one because he's the one guy you think you wouldn't target because he's not he's not a wee he's, timid one. You I, think I, you'd target Sinclair maybe or Roberts or Forrest, not Tierney. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is one of those tackles where it kind of first few and you're thinking that's a 
horrendous tackle and then you see the pictures online of his uh, leg bleeding and you think that that's an absolutely horrendous tackle aye. Um, so aye there's nothing really else that can be said I think just um, I don't know about retrospective stuff but well, it's certainly at the time I mean I don't know if the referee was quite far from it. I wasn't at the game. I know you used to well, but um, I think that's the only reason I can see why he wouldn't give him a, a red card for that. I think if he's booked, he can't then be upgraded to a red. Am I right or yeah, wrong with that? I think, I think that's the that. case. Um, Celtic clearly got over um, that that scare on Saturday and today. They've been very busy um, on the old internet. We'll start with the, uh, one of the news, uh, one of the bits of news that came from Celtic today. It is that they have <coughs> announced um, that they will make a proposal of application notice to Glasgow City Council in relation to possible further development to the Celtic Park area including the potential creation of a new hotel retail store ticketing facility and museum how much is that going to cost I can hear you asking well Celtic have also thought that through and they have um, got a real good idea to generate some cash um, they also posted today at 5-3 to three, uh, with the title Secure Derby Day Seats with a three-match package yeah. on sale now. <laughs> um, the VIP hospitality package secures your seat at three important fixtures. That's the Hamilton game um, this Saturday. It's then Rangers on March the 12th and Partick Thistle, the other Glasgow Derby, on a Wednesday night, Wednesday night, um, April the 5th. Now, for this... Um, Reasonable fee that will come on to in a wee second. You get uh, a champagne reception, a four-course meal with wine, half-time snacks, tea and coffee, padded executive seat, a padded seat in the West Stand, which is the end stand, I think, um, pre- and post-match complimentary bar, car parking and a match day programme and gift. And for this, for the three matches, you are only paying £830 oh. plus that that is over £1,000. It got us thinking, Andrew Gamba, could we do it a cheaper way? Well, yeah, um, I, I, have a, I have a student season ticket at Celtic, and this excludes you from the Rangers games, uh, unless you buy a ticket. So I've bought my tickets for the Rangers games, uh, so this means it goes up to about 300 quid. Mm-hmm. so it's about £15 per ticket. Now I'm thinking... I can probably get a meal in Glasgow for something similar to that. So we've we've had a look at we've had a look at the Regano's website so I can get a partridge breast starter for eleven quid. <laughs> and then I can have and then and just because I'm splashing out, I might as well just have a whole lobster for my dinner. And then a creme brulee to finish that off and a bottle of Pinot Grigio. Uh, the match day gift, I'm just gonna go into the, the Celtic Superstore and buy a hoopy toy for a tenner. I might go into John Lewis's, I buy myself a cushion. You get you get coffee with the hospitality as well, so I'm gonna just mm-hmm. buy a coffee maker as well for forty quid. <laughs> Pre-match drinks, I think I'm going to buy a six-pack of dark fruits, that's about a fiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, post-match drinks, it's going to be a 12 crate of Magnus for me, obviously, you know, a bottle of wine and uh, 16 cans is, uh, is all I need to, in life. And the problem is, I'm I'm down from the borders way, uh, so the, the kind of car parking's not really for me, so I'm just going to get a taxi from Bigger to Celtic Park, and that's that's going to cost me about 100 quid. So, uh, that's, so we've figured out this is uh, 304 quid uh, for each game, so I am... I'm going to be spending about nine hundred pounds going to <laughs> so, these games, and that'll still leave me a hundred quid better off than getting this ridiculous deal that Celtic are offering here. So just to reiterate, um, you're getting a taxi from your front door to Celtic Park for these three matches. You're buying a coffee maker. You're getting fed um, mm-hmm. in a lobster and all that. Yeah, bottle oh yeah, of wine. Yeah, whole, whole you're lobster. Getting your uh-huh. carry out. Mm-hmm. Um, what, yeah. what else you getting? Uh, a cushion. Cushion. And, and my hoopy. My That's hoopy. Your padded seat. Sorry. And my ticket, obviously. Yeah. Where do we start with this? 
a cheeky deal from Celtic, looking out for their fans as always. See, I was, I was about to say, grand. I was about to say, I, I think they've done this earlier on in the season, but I'm pretty sure now they've not done this earlier on <laughs> the season if it was nearly a grand for these three games. I mean, we know the football Brendan Rodgers side are playing is very good, um, but it's not quite a grand for three games when two of the games, no disrespect, are Partick Thistle on a Wednesday night <laughs> and Hamilton Ackies this Saturday. Well, here's, get us a grand by okay, uh, this Saturday. Uh, to be fair, it's not like Partick Thistle probably the most likely game that will win the league. That could be one where we might win the league or whatever. So still, you still pick up a ticket for 29 quid if you want. Yeah, it's not or, a or, or, or you could uh, <laughs> shell out and get um, some some wine as well, some champagne perhaps. Yes, Mark, Mc, Mark McGee looks like he could do a bottle of, maybe not champagne, but a bottle of wine, certainly after the weeks he's had. And it's not got much better for him either. He's facing a second misconduct charge of the season. Um, this one, of course, relating to last Wednesday's match at Petaudry, Scottish FA Compliance, Compliance Officer, who is... <coughs> the clown, according to McGee. It's Tony McLennan. Because um, remember, how we always used to know Vincent Lunny, but no one mm. kind of knows who Tony McLennan is. Um, he's issued a notice of complaint against the manager. McGee is accused of using offensive, abusive, abusing, sorry, and or insulting language and gestures towards a match official. He's also, he's also facing a charge of adopting aggressive behaviour towards an official. Um, it's not looking good for Mark McGee. Is there any charges for the person that filmed them? I mean, that's pretty shocking. Are you allowed to do that? Is nah, he allowed to film that? that? I don't think he's allowed to film that. should not be allowed, surely. Nah. Yeah, so not good for Mark <laughs> McGee and not really helped by the defeat at Celtic Park, but I suppose it could have been a lot worse after losing seven at Pataudry in midweek. He may will be content with two. Um, Hamilton won't be content uh, at losing 2-0, though they lost 2-0 to Partick Thistle. Um, for only the 13th time in the league this season, Hamilton didn't draw. Uh, other news, Chris Doolan is now only three goals away from a century at Partick Thistle. 45 minutes was all that he needed uh, as he came on as a sub and scored two headers against Hamilton. I think He's close to this 100 goal mark in about 210 games starting. Like it's an incredible return. And Chris Doolan, uh, he's an Ayrshire boy, am I right in saying that, Russell? And he's, uh, he's a Kilmarnock fan. Is he? He, uh, he mentioned on an interview that he was a Celtic fan, but <laughs> that was not the case when he used to get the Kilmarnock Supporters Club bus. So, um, yeah, he's a Kilmarnock boy. He still lives in the town. His goal-scoring record is crazy. I don't know about your guys' opinion, whether you say well, he doesn't start every week in... Partick Thistle seem to be constantly every transfer window trying to sign a new striker and try to sign somebody when they've got some they've got somebody on their books already who scores loads of goals. Mm. Do you think there's a reason for that? Or do you think there's a When a player like Adi Aziz comes up you don't say no. Well don't say that. I've got a good Adi Aziz start here, actually. Oh, yes. Here's our start. For every goal he scores, he takes thirty nine shots to get that one goal. <laughs> that's thirty nine, that's the, the highest rating in the league. Um I actually likened Adi Aziz to a 2013 Josh McGuinness at the start of the season I think he's got that kind of he's strong he's pace he's powerful he just couldn't finish a fish supper but I think that's harsher on Josh because uh, yeah, 2013 Josh is, was near as bad as Addy as he's he's, uh, he's but I don't understand the reason why they're signing they're continually bringing other players on Nathan Eccleston remember him they brought him in but he Chris Dillon there uh, I, I just don't get it is it because he's unfashionable Lewis? 
Perhaps, yeah, it is, it is quite, it's a really interesting point you bring up, because when you think of this, when you think of goal scorers, you do think of Dolan, but straight away you think, well, that's all right, all right they've got Dolan, but, you know, he doesn't he doesn't play enough for them, and, you know, it's not just that, I mean, the key thing in that game, I think, was Dolan coming on, and Erskine as well, both of them made a huge impact on that game, I think, because um, it, I mean, it wasn't a great first half by the sound of things. Um, and maybe was heading towards another draw for Hamilton, but um, what's going on? No, it's just Gam- Gamba's writing in a wee sheet here. Oh, the right, the words it? "massive cock" just came up my sheet for no reason there, and I'm I'm not quite sure why. It must have been Gamba, but uh, um, no, it was uh, it was Robert Amber Crombie editing our. Oh no, chance man. <laughs> Oh god, this is a wee bit worrying. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll inform the listeners then, won't we? <laughs> Basically, um, we, we have a, a plan that we use for this um, this podcast where we get all our stats and we can uh, relate to it as we're talking. Um, for some reason, when I was emailing uh, Russell the, the plan earlier, I used Russell's email for some reason um, and... It came up as it does on, on Google Sheets, which we use. It came up Robert Abercrombie. I was wondering whether this is a relation of Russell, perhaps a brother or a father or something yeah. like that. Um, it somehow happens that this Robert Abercrombie, who I already sent the email to as a nobody, and he is now um, taken to uh, <laughs> taking to vandalising our plan sheet. So if you just get me uh, talking about massive cocks during the rest of this <laughs> podcast, then you'll know what that's all about. Cheers for that, say, Robert. Gamble, I've just met you, and that's really the last thing to say. <laughs> Don't say it to my face if you're going to say it in that glass. <laughs> <laughs> so aye, um, cheers uh, Robert Abercrombie, whoever you are. Hope um, you're listening. Yeah, hope you're listening. You're massive cock. Good, good <laughs> chuckle to yourself. However, we will move on from massive cocks to Michael, Michael, Martin, Canning. <laughs> <laughs> what did harsh? you see when you were in? Is that harsh? You Douglas Park that day? Uh, not too much actually, it was, a, it was an enjoyable day. Um, I wondered why Callum Fisher was so happy with the way he was treated at that club. Um, but yeah. Uh, and he did go missing for a good ten minutes, but we'll move on. We'll move on, oh, and we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about Aki's Hamilton Aki's as we regain our composure. Their lack of victories in the league. They've only got three wins all season. Andrew Gamba. Yeah, I'm amazed they didn't draw this one each. Scandalous. They couldn't, I think they couldn't pull this off. I said said in the last podcast. Yeah, I'm the only person that doesn't bet on Scottish football. That sorry, that bets on Scottish football that doesn't take Hamilton for a draw. Took Hamilton for a draw. Fantastic. I cannon out, man. <laughs> 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 how um, how many of the the guys in the predictions league Lewis went with one each? Because I think about I'm seven, gonna, I'll, I'll find out. I think for you. about come, seven come of the nine because it was just the most nailed on one all. It was always going to finish one all. I, think I went for it, um, and it finished two <laughs> nil. In serious though, this this is worrying. The the you know they've lost this. Um, they don't you know you don't want to fall away. You don't want to. The, you know the thing with Hamilton was they were they were getting these points. They weren't losing these these points so that they were you know. They were keeping close to those around about them. If this becomes a thing, yeah. if they're just going to start losing to them <laughs> around about them, obviously if they're going to lose all their games, they're going to get relegated. So, mm. um, aye, you you don't want yeah. to because they're sitting down there. They're sitting eleventh. There's three points between between them and Motherwell mm. now. So, we know from our own experience, uh, Lewis uh, and Gambin, maybe Russell as well, and his uh, Kelly away travels that Furhill is sometimes very cue outside long queues stretching mm. into parts of the first half and um, perhaps any fans who, who would miss um, any or did miss any of the first half on Saturday wouldn't have missed much because there was actually somehow no shots on target from either team in the first 45 minutes. I think that's what I was saying um, 
just something kind of brief point that the first half was pretty dreadful. I didn't know it was as bad as that though. I mean, that how do you go really forty-five bad. minutes without either team having a shot in target? I watched a game on Alba, <laughs> and I fell. Oh. I genuinely fell asleep after the first half. They actually normally you think, all right, the first half's terrible. We'll just eke out a couple of minutes of highlights, but they went a full half hour <laughs> for that first half, and I don't know how they did it because you watch the highlights back, and it's literally a header that goes twenty yards over the crossbar. And that's about it. The only thing that happens, and it's that was probably one of the worst half hours of football. I mm. t- I can't really sleep with TVs and things like that on, but I'd honestly I drifted off. But Hamilton have uh, it's now February, end of February, and Hamilton still haven't won away from home in the league. Mm. So Incredible. that's just you know, say they're drawing games, but I know you've had you have a good experience when you went there. I just really hope Hamilton goes down. I don't see, <laughs> I don't think they bring into the league. And fair enough, if they do stay up, they deserve it. But no, it's for me they're just a, a nothing football team and I think they deserve to go down they're the worst team in the league this season Hamilton's next five games Celtic away Aberdeen at home Hearts away Rangers away St Johnson at home four hard games and there could there could Sorry, be daylight. five five games four hard games in Ibrox yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah true there could be daylight Mm. Uh, also, I'll get I'll that. get you that. Um, I'm trying to see how many people actually went for one each year. <laughs> um, everyone went for one each, apart from Matt and Gamble. <laughs> what did they go for? Uh, one nil. Matt went for to Park Thistle, and Gamble went for zero zero. So everyone else went one each. <laughs> Gamble was probably licking his lips after that first half, but somehow it finished uh, two 0 to Party Thistle. Final game: um, Ross County one, Saint Johnson two. Uh, Saints third place? Question mark Gamble. I mean, I fancy I fancy them to be up there. At the really? I mean, I, I think they'll get fourth. Um, but I, I mean, again, because I've I've kind of gone on this point before, you know, there's maybe not that much for them. But I I fancy them to put a, a decent run of form together. I like I mean I like St. Justin. I think they're, you know, they they do grind out results. Um, I, I know they had to, I know they were very close to getting a draw in this one, but and. Standard cliche, Ross County, it's a difficult place to go. But I fancy I fancy St Johnson to be up there towards the end of the season. Um I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't rule them out for third or fourth. I don't th- I don't think it's gonna be fifth and then the four big boys. I think they'll be up and round about there. Any opinions to, to go against that? Well I think um certainly at the start of the season we saw they were a wee bit inconsistent. I remember them at home. Um they were kind of lose silly games against like Inverness and stuff like that, but they certainly now seem to have a bit more consistency about them. Um, so I'd maybe go along with that. I'd still think they'll probably finish fifth, but um, certainly could see them getting, uh, having a wee kind of run at it almost. Yeah, they'll push. They'll push. They'll push them the, the full way, I think. But um, they've got so they've got some bad news that Murray Davidson's out for several weeks now. Mm. He's a really influential player. I really like him. Keith Watson, Danny Swanson, and Graham Cummins are all injured as well. There was so. uh, something with Swanson actually. Um, apparently, well, there was rumours that it wasn't a, an injury, and that um, he'd, um, he's having he try to negotiate his contact now. And right. there's some apparently some issues between him and the cop and stuff. Mm. So apparently, some rumours that um, Tommy Wright might have dropped him as opposed to him being actually injured. I think um, Sir Johnston talking about that. I really like Tommy Wright. I think he's you know a fantastic manager. But I think they got a bit of stroke of luck on uh, Saturday. Ross County making that bizarre substitution where they took off Tim Chow, who's a kind of holding midfielder, and brought on Jim O'Brien, a winger, to play in the middle of the park. And it's no then really a surprise that St Johnson dominated the middle of the park, and that's where they, you know, they got the advantage for the remainder of the game. I think county fans are 
looking at re- try and read the forums as much as I can at different clubs try and get different opinions and county fans seem to be quite united in the fact they want McIntyre and Dodds out so mm. I mean what's your opinions on that guys do you think that do you think that McIntyre and Dodds should go or do you think that do you think they've taken county as far as they can or well it's, it's fair to bring it up but I think you'll see that whole bottom seven I think you know, you'll be hard pressed not to find any kind of point in the season where at least one of them will maybe saying oh we, this guy should be going out I mean at the moment um, Mark McGee certainly seems to be getting a lot of stick from my little fans um, I think probably other than the Kilmarnock really even though I'd maybe argue I mean with Clark um, as much as I don't think there was ever a point in the season where people were just wanting him out Maybe people are like not that bored that he's leaving. Maybe thinking, uh, well, it's definitely the case. People aren't too bored. Yeah, he's left. Yeah. Aye. So I mean, that, that, I think that's the thing with the whole bottom seven. Nobody's really standing out, and so that's maybe why we are seeing stuff like that. Hmm. Not punished, uh, St. Johnson when we've had an opportunity to. Uh, but having said that, I think the difference between the game is they take the chances we don't with the shape of the team and how the team performed today individually and collectively you know I, I was delighted uh, obviously disappointed that we, they get back to one each but we showed character again and it's a wonderful goal to win the game and um, you know uh, it came at the right time right you know a couple of minutes to go Yes, we'll move uh, into the Championship. First of all, we'll just uh, reiterate Celtic are top by 24 points now, Aberdeen with a six point gap on Rangers, they themselves five ahead of Hearts. Uh, Hearts just one ahead of St. Johnson. Dundee just into the top six. It's looking increasingly likely that the final team in the top six will be celebrating avoiding relegation in about eight games because it's only eight games until the split um, shuts. And Dundee are still, you wouldn't say they're, they're kind of clear a relegation at the moment, but if they get in the top six, obviously you can't be relegated from the top six. So, I mean, that's something I, I kind of thought might happen at the start of the season. Of course, there's still eight games to go before the split, but that could well... Um, be a, a thing um, sorry just before we move to the championship um, just a quick update uh, Jay McEvely news an own goal this week um, yeah it's just not been a great season for him we'll keep you updated with uh, how his trials and tribulations go for the rest of the campaign and finally Ross County haven't won a league game in 2017 no clean sheets since September Jesus incredible incredible can I say mostly tribulations for uh, yes. McEvely not really many trials <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, championship. Um, Neil Lennon, very angry. An angry man. An angry man. Yes. Um, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm going to bring and relate this back to Celtic. But this is. Hey. This reminds. This. This reminds me of there was a game the Celtic lost to St Johnson in 2012. It was before Champions League game with Benfica. And Lennon basically tore into the team and he said, "I've got players in this team that don't really care about the league, and I'm not going to be answering questions about the Champions League before." I remember league, it league, well. league duty because these players are just going to be focused on the big games and not on their duty mm-hmm. because they should be they should be focused entirely on league duty and not on the Champions League. And if you mm-hmm. place the words Champions League with a Hearts Cup game, <laughs> yeah, um, this is very very similar. I thought. Yeah, shall we have some Neil Lennon quotes then from Saturday? Sitting on the fence oh, as per I'm usual. I'm actually looking at them now, though. Yeah. Fantastic. We okay. were a disgrace today. I didn't even celebrate our goal. We were disgraceful. I've made it clear to them that that was embarrassing. We were insipid and disrespectful to the opposition. Everything we did well last week was missing for the first hour. We've given a goal and an hour start to a team that hasn't won in 14 games. The last half an hour was great but it's not what I want overall. It was unprofessional. We're going for a title here, and the reason we haven't been out of this league for three years is because they are complacent. 
they think they only need to turn up. I think he then went on to say that no players um, could have any arguments about not playing on um, Wednesday night in the derby because uh, he'd just showed them the first uh, half an hour of that. Uh, or first hour, sorry, of that game and how bad they all were. Um, the snowman was, was also asking us, I'm trying to find it now, he was asking us about Neil Lennon's comments after the game. He was just wondering what we thought of the comments because they were um, incredible comments to make. Yeah, he's obviously expecting a reaction. Um, as Gamba says, not the first time he's done it in his career. Um, even just relating to, back to Hibs this season, um, obviously he dropped Jason Cummins at one point in the season. Um you know, there was a lot of kind of rumours about why that was, but um, again, kind of expecting a reaction out of him, and you know, I'd argue he's probably proven, you know, you know, or he's proven why he's kind of worthy for his, worthy of his place in the team. Um, but I, I mean, Lennon's kind of known for doing it. Even you know, I'd argue he wouldn't have got the Celtic job if he didn't after mm. the Ross County game if he didn't completely just lambast the team. Um, I think mm. for a lot of fans at the time that was. Um, quite refreshing to hear those kind of honest comments almost. So, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, he's probably spot on, but um, aye. It's I definitely a risk, though. It's a risk ahead of the game. Is, is, he, I think he called out McGinn specifically and uh, said that he you know, he wasn't interested and didn't want to be playing. I think that's a that's a real risk mm. when you're going into a big, the, you know, the Derby game on Wednesday. That it, it does he have the right mentality to you know take that the way it's intended or the way Lennon's trying to get it to you know mm. to fire him up or does he just go you know screw this I don't want I'm not playing for this guy anymore but you know I it was one of those things I was listening to the radio and you know when they go oh let's hear from the the Hibs manager and most <laughs> managers do exa- give exactly the same answers and they're you know monotone answers and then Lennon just straight away his voice he knew he was just raging he's I'm raging Brian straight away he's first <laughs> like and you're like oh. But I think you know it was it's kind of good to hear from a a fans' perspective. If I was a Hibs fan, going back after what was you know quite a tepid performance, it's the kind of thing that does get you you know going and fired up, and you think you know this manager cares about the club. But like when Kenny Shields was at Kilmarnock, mm. you never knew what he was going to say after the, the match, and it kind of made you think that he's almost one of you. And I don't necessarily buy into it, and I know a lot of folk don't, but there are certain fans, and you know a lot large percentage of fans that will. That's the kind of key thing, but you kind of just said there, like um, that you he, you kind of feel that he's a fan as well. Yeah. It's that whole siege mentality, and he was brilliant at it at Celtic, um, especially in the first couple of seasons of his kind of reign. I do remember mm. there been a real kind of siege mentality about the club, and even you know um, I've heard stuff about you know even his time at Bolton. I know obviously that kind of went to shit really but you know in his first season there or his first couple of months there he was kind of highly regarded and there was a kind of yeah. feeling of oh, oh this guy really wants wants us to do well so he is one of those managers and you are going to expect that from time to time but mm. as you say I mean it can go both ways yeah. he's certainly taking the shine off a, a poor result for them um, or not the shine but he's taking the spotlight off from that poor result and he's put it on his players I think it's quite clever from he did on Tuesday yeah after well. the Aberdeen game <laughs> That might be. I think yeah. he was very. I think I, people are saying that McGee's an idiot, and I think he probably is. But there's a there's an element where you can look at it that yeah. McGee's taking that. You know, nobody's talking about the fact that they conceded yeah. seven goals. The like same against top, Hearts and Rangers as yeah, well, because he had to go to the referees. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. The snowman certainly thought he personally thought that it was just what Hibs needed. His new best friend Sam Arbuckle replied to him as well, <laughs> saying, "Refreshing. Good to see that Bus Boys making friendships. Uh, they've got over their wee, wee <laughs> argument that was uh, very well portrayed on a Friday show. I'll say Thank by you. Uh, Andrew Thank you, and Callum Scott. Yeah, John McGinn did actually reply to the Neil Lennon criticism today, saying he'd have been having a go at me because he knows I." 
can do more. He does that because he wants the best out of his players. Me, Jason Cummins <coughs> and Fraser Fivey, the ones who I mentioned, we can all do more. The manager is the first person to praise us when we do well, so you can't be crying about the negatives. We've got to turn it around and prove to the manager that we can do it. So that was one all between Wraith Rovers. A, a good Hibs. point for Wraith Rovers. <laughs> I mean, the instant impact from John Hughes is really good. <laughs> yeah, again, a uh, fellow I was chatting to on Saturday night certainly says that everyone has already fallen in love with John Hughes at Wraith Rovers. The players absolutely love him. Yogi, he referred to him as. And uh, I, I could see um, Wraith certainly moving on a little bit from there. Elsewhere in the Championship on Saturday, we had a great comeback for Air United. Um, personal story, my... Um, my soon-to-be stepdad, uh, yeah, Andy. I know, I know was, as well. Oh yeah, you were speaking was, to him. Yeah, was, yes. he's been getting around. He's been chatting to a lot of folk. <laughs> but uh, he was at the game uh, on Saturday at uh, Dumbarton. Um, we know what Dumbarton's like. You don't want to stick around there for for too long if you can <laughs> help it. He left uh, about eighty-nine minutes into the game, thinking game <sighs> over. Got into the car, turned the radio on, and heard the classified results, and heard Dumbarton two, Air United two. Incredible. I mean, that is a fantastic comeback. I think Air United is a case for them to be the the team of the week in the championship just for that that late comeback ten men that as they well. got. Um, yeah, well, they're always down to ten men. They've got, they've got lots of practice. They've been with ten men this season. The United, tackles, don't they? the tackle is absolutely shocking. <laughs> now, if you've seen it back on the Dumbarton TV highlights, it's it's really really it's worse than the uh, the one on Kieran Tierney. It's it's an absolute shocking tackle. And is it Mick Wardrop. Uh, no, else? I think it was. Oh, I've, this is bad news. I've completely blown it now. But I can't remember the name of the player. <laughs> but uh, it was a, it was a shocking challenge. If you go on the Dumbarton YouTube Doherty. page and see it, it's, it's really oh, is it Doherty? No. Aye, interesting indeed. So a good point there for Air United. Someone else want to help me out with the other games that happened in the Championship. I'm trying to think other teams that were playing in the championship. Morton and uh, Falkirk. Oh, what, Johnny was that was that what was Johnny saying about that then? Um, I think yeah, I think he was. Uh, very impressed, which he isn't always u- usually. But some sort of some games, he seems quite uh, depressed actually a lot of times <laughs> after games. But of late, but um, nah, he was uh, very optimistic about this one. Um, I think it sounded like a cracking game, to be honest with mm. you, by all accounts. A big game as well. I think yeah. the winner would have gone ahead of Dundee United as mm-hmm. it was. Neither team did because it was a draw. Um, but yeah, that was that was two all. Falkirk were ahead. Yeah, was, I mean, obviously the big thing was that you know a lot of people were kind of tapping Falkirk for this um, going into it. Um, f- I think I went for a draw here because I just had a feeling about Morton's going kind to of home record. Obviously, that keeps going now. Like the, the you know, I think this is probably the one week we might have thought, well, Falkirk actually may have a really good chance here of kind of ending this, but um, wasn't to be. Really yep. much of a muchness, isn't there? There's two teams. I think they're very, very similar. I don't think there's anything between the two, and obviously shown by the the league table. But managers even look the same, don't they? <laughs> I think there's a there's a yeah there's those two teams are very, very similar, and it's going to be neck and neck right to the end of the season. Hmm. Yes, uh, so only the three games in the championship due to cup commitments from St Mirren, Queen of the South and Dundee United that we mentioned earlier on. League One, the four thousandth SPFL goal. That's not just a top flight for anyone else out there, like Celtic's Twitter team. Um, Greg Spence got it for Alor, the 4,000th SPFL goal. That seemed quite a lot, I thought, when I was thinking about it. The SPFL's only been around for five and a bit years, but I suppose when you think of every year, eh, every week, sorry, all those goals that are scored, we've been counting them up in all, League Two. All those many goals. Seems a lot, they've done it. Yeah, 4,000. Greg Spence got it. Uh, that was Alor's result. They got a 2-0 win at Hamden against Queen's Park Jim Goodwin's men elsewhere Livingston 
um, thumped Airdrie despite me saying that Airdrie would confidently beat them um, on Saturday thumped them 4-0 uh, away from home Hamish I've actually got to correct you here you said that <laughs> was a lot of goals well. it's actually 8,000 goals <laughs> the 8,000 8, 8, SPFL goal 8,000 8, yes I wasn't sure if you could get mixed up there because I was pretty sure it was 8,000 yes. as well there's, some, there's been some good like fake news and alternative facts for this 8,000 goal because <laughs> Fibro yes, Facts said play, that yeah, uh, well on. Tamil Ware scored that, and really? it was Greg Spence. <laughs> they get like three hundred re- retweets and stuff. Like also, also, who counts that? SPL stats, surely. Mm. <laughs> who, who's who's sitting there counting all those goals? They're just a kind of tally that keeps going every week, and someone's thinking, must be, yeah. must be yeah. Yeah. incredible, incredible. I'm hoping some boy, Agent Scotland or someone's no sat down and he, he, <laughs> he was um, he was he was doing his uh, what was it the. <coughs> What was it now? It was the fans that teams have had into their ground since, like, in the in the top flight since a certain year. And he was he was up at like five million odd, and he was counting them obviously per game, which is like what five thousand. So he was counting yeah. five million people and five thousand. He, he must have been there for. Boy needs to days. get a girlfriend. <laughs> he really does. You get blocked for saying that though. Um, but yeah, uh, League One uh, elsewhere. I'll just run through them. Levy one four now. As I said, one all between Albion Rovers and Stenhouse Muir. Were you at a game, Lewis? I was uh, League Two though. Right, cool. So. Uh, East Fife beat Brecon in a thriller. It was three two and an equal thriller between Stranraer and Peterhead. That was three all. Um, there's a game tonight. It's Levy Albion Rovers. It's it will been postponed. Has it? What a logged pitch. There's not a game tonight. No living on the BBC website there. And I'll it says waterlogged pitch. Is, is, is this a Livingston? Aye. Yeah, match postponed waterlogged pitch. See, to be fair, Livingston's got a uh, pitch is atrocious. Like, it's really, really bad. Not the only one. Yeah. Not the only so, one. Yes, um, League Two. A couple of talking points in League Two. We'll run through the results. First, Arbroath 1, Stirling Albion 1, Berwick Rangers 3, Forfar Athletic 2, Edinburgh City 1. Montrose 1 Elgin City 4 Clyde 1 Jesus. and Cow- Cowdenbeath 0 and an Athletic 1 first talking point is Barry Ferguson um, just Barry Ferguson basically <laughs> what's happening it's like we're kind of having this discussion in the in the chat um, about why Barry Ferguson hasn't been taken to task by the kind of mainstream media um, my kind of argument was he well, I, I don't know, but uh, I think he really should be. I think it's a like it's amazing how it's just gone completely under the radar, and mm. and I I get how he you know he's very high profile, so there's no real reason why you wouldn't be bringing this up. I know there's a point made that well, all league managers won't get a lot of criticism, but this is a guy that's in the spotlight. It's been tipped for the Rangers' job, and like nobody's mentioning the fact that Clyde have had this absolutely mm. horrendous season, and not just this season. For the last um, two years as well, they've had the biggest budget in the league, and you know look who they are. I mean, they're, they're closer to relegation than they are to actually um, promotion. So it's. Mm. It's been a horrendous time of it, and I think it's a bit of a disgrace, really, that it's mm. not been picked up at all. He's very lucky, in my opinion. He's very lucky that he's a rich man because mm. the rumours, obviously, about Clyde that he's paying for players yeah. and he's paying players' wages out his own pocket, and he's paying for training sessions and extra things. And for me, that's the reason why Clyde haven't got rid of him yet and continue mm. to keep him on. And because that just kind of goes in with his the fact he talks well with the BBC and he's pals with Kenny Crawford and he Kenny Crawford's there with his mobile burnt mm. with his burnt toast and aye, all that malarkey. Ke- aye, just, ke- aye, Kenny Mack. Yeah, it's just um, yeah, Kenny Crawford and Kenny McIntyre as well. Yeah, they're just I think because he makes himself available to the BBC and yeah. he's 
he knows they're going to ask him questions about Rangers before Clyde because that's what the mm. as much as it's frustrating for you know for a, a lot of folk the BBC will be looking at it as you know people don't care about Clyde your average punter turning on sports sound he, he doesn't know what Clyde's results are he doesn't necessarily care but he cares what the ex-Rangers captain thinks about the who the new manager's going to be and as, as bad as that is it's, I'm afraid it's reality and you go back to the old time where Jim Spence had that Beyond DSPL programme where they actually spoke to old man- managers in the, the lower leagues and actually focused on it mm. you should go back to having something like that but you know it's it's not, not very likely at the moment see on your point about um, the him playing the, some players wages and stuff like that um it's something I've heard as well, but I think um, I think Ferguson's actually came out. Well, he's been asked a question, and he said he's definitely not. I think the board have also said that he's definitely not as well. But you know, if you're looking at it from an outside perspective, you probably come to that conclusion because mm-hmm. they are um, signing players that you would think a team at that level and a team like Clyde who have had the kind of problems financially in the past couple of years probably wouldn't be able to mm-hmm. afford. So there's definitely something going on that people don't know whether it is him paying players' wages or paying for training sessions mm. or whatever it is, um, there's definitely something kind of more than meets the eye. They've got players at that team that have been playing in the Championship in the last couple of seasons, Scott yeah. Linton, Peter McDonald, Peter people McDonald, like yeah. that, they're 27 points off top uh, place. Boy McMillan as well, it's just always a sign for them, well, who's that, that, a Premiership yeah, player. Exactly, yeah, McMillan's like Obviously one of these issues, guys. But he had, uh, he's a Premiership player. Aye, yeah, I mean... And his wages will only come cheap as well. Yeah. I mean, he's was it Patrick Thistle? He was that before, Thistle. obviously the whole yeah. uh, kind of scandal with him. Well, after he was, he was still being paid after he got Aye. suspended because he was suspended doing full pay, and I think they had to pay off his contract. So it's just a he's he's not going to be cheap either. And they've also signed to the end of the season when there are Premiership teams, yeah. maybe not Premiership, maybe Championship teams who would have taken a chance on him to yeah. end the season. It's, it's not just that, but there's people like Ross Perry, for example, breaking the season before and then moves to Clyde. You know, you're moving a level boat. Level down, you like, playing, yeah. and as you said, guys like Pete McDonald as well. There, there's guys there that don't really fit um, with the whole kind of or kind of skin kind of ethos yeah, with the club. Dylan Easton as well, who's Aye. best player, one best player in League Two last season Aye. for Elgin, and he's they managed to get him to Clyde yeah. when there's rumours that a couple of the the part time teams in the the Championship were looking at him. Dumbarton and Air were both looking at him. So yeah. it's you know, there's a, there's definitely some money being spent there, and yeah. it's mm. yeah, I, and it's I result, can't see beyond that. It's resulted in two points in the last twenty seven, yeah, and they were both against Edinburgh City with nil nil draws. <laughs> um, so there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other the other bit of news I want to touch on it kind of led Sports Sound yesterday was the news about Dean Brett his cow and beef career seems to be on the line. Um, the news came out I think yesterday. Um, he admitted that he had been gambling. Um, and betting against his own team. Um, 24-year-old being investigated by the SFA over the alleged 2,787 bets that he placed. Eight of them um, were against his own team. He faces a club hearing on Tuesday. It comes, um, certainly some of the betting, maybe the the early betting, but some of the later betting, certainly after a a pretty tragic time um, for Dean Brett, his partner, uh, Gemma Porthouse, died uh, of cancer in January 2015, aged just 22, four months. Uh, That was after uh, their daughter Molly, um, who'd been born prematurely, also died. So a real kind of tragic time for for Dean Brett. But in in the same way, rules have been broken. Um, We posted uh, a few tweets online just to get some opinions um, from some people earlier on today certainly um, Isaac Kerr a good friend of mine said uh, similar to the situation with Jake Livermore down south that he personally wouldn't give him a ban what do you guys think in this kind of 
tough issue, isn't it? Uh, it's a really kind of tricky one how you kind of deal with it. Um, I mean, maybe just in a kind of broader sense, there needs to be more of a kind of education for kind of players in, in the league about the kind of gambling and stuff. Because sitting on by his comments, um, I don't think he was really aware of how kind of serious yeah. it was. Yeah, I think um, that's the thing that struck me about it was that he, he didn't seem to, he, he was basically saying that he didn't think he would ever be grasped in or found out because there was no one out there that, that didn't really yeah. like him and he uh, thought that's why people like Ian Black and Stephen Lawless uh, and um, Simonson had been done in the past and it was quite naive I think he's I think he's a hell of a naive guy he's a real young guy I, I think we've seen a lot of this stuff he's not the, the sharpest um, tool in the box however I do totally understand from my own um, personal kind of experience what it's like um, obviously not to the, the same tragic extent of him um, where you're you're betting to kind of get over maybe kind of sadder times in your life or whatever or, or sad things that have happened um, I do kind of get that but at the end of the day I think the big thing that goes against him is the fact he's betted against his own team I mean mm, I totally yeah, get the fact yeah. we're not we're not going in match fixing you we're not for a minute saying that we're not saying that he wasn't trying his hardest but it nice. doesn't come across well at all a big yeah. issue, a big issue for me in that when you say about the the situations and obviously you know the stuff that happened in his personal life's really horrible and you wouldn't wish it on anybody. But he's admitted that the gambling was had started well before mm-hmm. the um, well before those situations happened, and he was still betting on football and betting against his own team before that happened. I don't, you know, he's going to get he's going to get punished, unfortunately. I can't see it. He's a he's actually a decent player for that level. Aye, I was gonna uh, say that. Aye. He's 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 a decent. He's really good going forward. And I quite any time I've seen him, I've been quite impressed with him. Mm. I think he could probably do better in League Two, but the issues in his personal life have maybe held him back in that way. Mm. I hope though he can, you know, he can just take the punishment if he has to play juniors for a while or whatever. Just keep his fitness levels up and hope he doesn't go at the game because he's definitely got something to offer at his age. Yeah, it got us asking the question on Twitter Does having a, a League and Cup competition Sponsored by bookmakers Send out the wrong message When trying to curtail gambling um, The response um, 69% saying yes That it's double standards yeah. the, the remainder saying no it's, it's just a sponsor Where do you, I, you stand on I, I think I, I personally think That there is a real problem With football And the relationship with betting And I can see How something like this A player can be betting On so many games um, Every single competition bar the Challenge Cup is sponsored by by bookmakers League 2, League 1, Championship Premiership, mm. Scottish Cup the League Cup, they're all sponsored by bookmakers Celtic have, last season um, start of this season Celtic had 5 betting companies uh, I think associated with the club It's it must be as, as someone that doesn't bet that often it's hard being involved in football and not thinking I can stick a couple of quid on this it must be ridiculous as a footballer, um, someone whose life is someone whose life you know revolves around football, and seeing this all the time. You sit down to watch a game of football. There's Ray telling you what the odds are. There's, you, I mean, it happens on BT Sport. You see it. The, the players are going for the handshake, and there you go. Half the screen's cut off with, with betting information. I mean, I'm see I'm seeing this as a British thing, but I mean, this this could be you know further af- further afield. Um, the relationship with gambling and football, I'm, I don't know. Do, do we do we say to them, no, we don't want your money? Who does that leave us with? Who who else is going to put money into Scottish football? I can I can see where that's a problem, but I, you know, we're we're going to end up with situations like this where we've got players betting on Christ knows how many games if it's just continued to be promoted and as something that is 
part of the game. I think the big issue, with, one of the big issues with this is education. The, the players, a lot of the players say that they weren't made aware of the specific rules in recent, obviously with the Ian Black situation, it's got a lot more coverage and now, you know, I think most people realise that the rules in Scotland are just that you're not allowed to bet on football worldwide. That's just the rules in England, you, you're not allowed to, as English games you're not allowed to bet on, but you can still bet on international. I'm not actually sure, to be honest yeah, with you. I think you're, me. Yeah, and, so, uh, um, I, I don't think that it's now a worldwide rule. It's a worldwide you can't, rule. You can't bet yeah. on anywhere. So I think I think as long as the as long as we the the SPFL are educating the clubs and the young players coming through especially as the young players really need to be focusing on and making sure they're aware from an early age when they're at football clubs that you know you're a football player you can't bet on that then I don't think there should be an issue with Ladbrokes being our sponsor as long as we are Ladbrokes are putting as much money as putting enough money into education not just to the football players but around the wider community that you know if you are going to bet it's fine to bet but do it responsibly and I think if they're they're wanting to put money in to sponsor they, they should be putting money in as well to, to educate. Yeah um, betting also a bit um, in the news down south as well with regards to what's been dubbed Pygate with the, the Sutton United um, match last night if you want a wee kind of Jovial um, look at it It's Gary Lineker and Ewan Murray uh, Having it off, not too too bad earlier on On Twitter, but it was just it was like an interesting argument See what kind of side of that argument You come down on um, Yeah, just Edinburgh City quickly You were at the game on, on Saturday Lewis, what was it like? Um, wasn't a great game to be honest with you But it was a fantastic goal for Josh, Josh Walker um, Of Aberdeen fame <laughs> um, It was a real, real Cracking strike um, But Aye, I just I don't think there was um, there wasn't really much between the sides. Um, I think it was a, it was one of those ones where like, you don't want to say kind of cliches and stuff, but it was a kind of game of two halves. Like Montrose first half, half were horrendous, and Edinburgh can control the game. Second half, um, Montrose has got back into it. Um, you can kind of see why Montrose have been doing well recently. I think they're a real kind of. They work very hard for each other. Uh, they are kind of one of those kind of more working like kind of teams in that division, and you can see them kind of grinding out results. You see why they've done so well. Uh, Edinburgh City, meanwhile, um, the home form's not great, um, but I think the bigger issue is that they're not really a goal scorer. There you go. Yes, um, that is League 2, Edinburgh City, Montrose. Other wee bit of news, uh, new Scottish Football Association head of coaching will be appointed in a week or so. Performance director Malcolm Mackay has revealed that he's also um, suggesting or hinting that it may be an experienced Scottish coach. We'll soon find out about that, I'm sure. Um, Periscope Derby happening Wednesday night. It's Hibs against Hearts in one word or maybe three if it's Heart of Midlothian. Who's going to go through, Russell? Heart of Midlothian. Lewis? Hibs. Hearts. And it's two all here, because I'm going Hibs as well. Uh, I think that could be good. I'm sure um, Periscope will be out in force on Wednesday night. Looking forward to that one. Other questions from guys and girls at home. Hibs Mad is asking what flavour pie we are having tonight. Hashtag Wayne Shaw. That is, of course, the reserve goalkeeper at Sutton. I'm sure he's a guy that also had his wallet raided by so-called journalists the day before <laughs> the game as well. Um, so it's been an eventful couple of days for him. Uh, I think he's leaving Sutton as well, isn't he? So, Shit patter pie, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that a kind of pie? Maybe. <laughs> uh, 
forever, forever in our shadow, English football. Indeed, indeed. Um, come back when your manager doing somersaults and telling exactly. Yeah, I'll go for a good old steak pie. Certainly not a Brie and Tarragon boy for Hamden. Any other uh, advancing steak? Uh, Party Thistle used to do a pie of the month. When the yes yes chicken and chorizo one mm. once uh, oh. it was it was very very nice dynamite and apparently you're not allowed to call killy pies killy pies anymore no, it's a comarmuk pie why is that say hi to a comarmuk pie <laughs> uh, this is because it's, there's a it's we don't have time to go into the big thing it's a big argument between comarmuk and John Gall the maker of the killy pie with Brownings and Michael Johnson soon <laughs> anybody and everyone that uses the term killy so Johnson. Johnson, man. Skyland CSC. If you could buy one Scottish oh, team, who would it be, and what is your first task? Great. Do you remember? Do you remember when you used to play The Sims when you were younger? <laughs> right. And you if you were a, if you were a bit statistic, uh, sadistic, you'd like build a swimming pool, get them to go in it, and then take the the steps out so they couldn't get out. Well, this would is my first task. I'm going to buy Comarnock. I'm going to build a swimming pool, put Michael Johnson in it, and, <laughs> and I'm going to remove the steps and just. Pay, charge people a tenner to come and watch them drown to death, and I think we'll make enough money to be able to challenge in Celtic win a couple of years for the title. So this is my first task. It's good to know you've come in here and sat right in the fence, Russell. In the podcast. And if Michael Johnson's listening, that is a joke. Of course, or is it? honestly. Yeah, um, <laughs> my uh, my one also um, goes around death. I'm going to go for probably just a, a firing squad um, simply Livingston is a club I would take over um, and I would uh, hire a firing squad to yeah kill whoever posted that horrendous photo <laughs> once he scored a goal on Saturday wee um, the wee boy with the ah, oh, what are you up to but not really wink Lewis um, we know you love everyone of course yeah uh, I'll try a wee bit more positive I would buy uh, Dundee and uh Try to arrange a deal with Dundee United so we can merge them oh, together man. and become Dundee City and rule Scottish football forever. Because what, what, obviously a, a combined Dundee team would rule Scottish football. I mean that's a no-brainer, surely. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lewis if they combine the fans together, it would be twenty thousand every week, surely. Lewis Mercer over there. It's actually it's tempting as well. You mentioned Livingston to buy Livingston and take them back to the old days of being Ferranti Thistle because that's a much better name let's be honest Ferranti Thistle Ferranti Thistle playing at the Tony Macaroni Arena that's just superb that's yeah, yeah that needs to be done if I get in that door at Livingston there's so many things I would change in that first day I'd be I would I've oh, been over this before my, my list of hatred with Livingston um, is just endless on you go Gamba see before before we go to Gamba um, there's no there's actually no staff at Livingston anyway they just hire them all so you would be sacking with nobody you'd be That's the only one point. in the club just high-vis jackets <laughs> I just I just want I just want that super casino at any club <laughs> Yeah, we promised this. I would have gone down to Ibrox if there was the super casino there. Just get it built, man. Anybody, come on. I'd go to the Tony Macaroni super casino. Absolutely. What a floating pitch. Yes. <laughs> a dome oh, over the roof. Hover pitch. Yeah, um, Laney D finally is asking us quickly our thoughts on Slovenia qualifiers. Is it time to give youth SPFL players a chance? I want a name from each of you. Um, uh, either an SPFL. Uh, player or a, a youth player maybe down south that hasn't previously been given a chance that you would like to see give a chance and I'll get mine in first just in case any of you are thinking of him Stuart Armstrong uh, is my obvious one I, I don't know if he's ever had a Scotland cap has he? He has, yeah, he has yeah. Yeah. C- yeah. Certainly in the last kind of couple of years he's not so um, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Stuart Armstrong. I think he is a must, and I think he will be. I don't think he'll just be in the squad. I think he's he's got to start against yeah. Slovenia. I'll just be biased here and say Greg Kilty, uh, just so we can get him capped. If it's a meaningless game anyway, he's you know he's a fantastic, fantastic young player. I've watched him grow over the last few years, to, uh, being a you know a really really excellent player, and he's he's still so so young that he's he's going to do do really well in the game. But with regards to this game. Uh, more realistic I'd have John Suter in I know he's not the greatest defender in the world but he's learning he's again a youngster and we should be doing what you know Wales have been doing etc and other countries where you know you're giving these players because at the end of the day it's it's already done isn't it the qualifying campaign so you say it's t- is it time to give youth slash SPFL players a chance I think the time to do that was two games ago to be honest I was actually thinking of Suter there oh, so of course any Basically, any kind of young centre back, like Paul Inkwood's a guy like Wayne Wednesday as well, maybe. Just anyone that's not Grant Hanley or uh, Chris Martin. <laughs> Russell Martin um, sure, I would just use this qualifier as an opportunity to play. Um, obviously, there's a debate around left backs, so I'd just play all of them. I'd play Wallace, <laughs> uh, Robertson, Tierney, Shinny. and uh, Shinny. Yeah, all in the same game. And whoever just performs the best just gets the left back. Just play them all at left back. Yeah, just all at left back. Why not? <laughs> we'll just find out. It doesn't matter. Might as well find out who our best left back is. Just, <laughs> just, end this, just end this debate once and for all. Play the four strikers as well. <laughs> just Griffiths, uh, Fletcher, Rhodes, and McCormack. There you go. Fine. Sorted. I, I think we can all agree that Scottish football is probably the best in the world. And it's amazing for banter. It's just completely non stop. So, could we just have, like, can we just call up, like, a banter? team and have like Ian Black playing and uh, Kevin put, Kyle up top aye, Kevin Kyle and Chris Boyd up front <laughs> basically the Rangers team of 2011 basically aye. who's the, the boy that used to play for Dundee United that had like six caps for Scott under the, Gary Kenneth let's just have a banter team and just uh, you know have a wee laugh for this friendly just the all-stars why friendly. not the all-stars the Scottish football all-stars oh, just, it'd be fantastic Slovenia wouldn't know what hit them would they they'd all be walking out they played the played four left-backs and Gary Kenneth in defence there you go Laney D hope we've answered that question truthfully honestly and seriously looking forward to Scotland Slovenia of course yes thank you very much Lewis Kemp no worries Thank you very much, Andrew Gamble. An absolute pleasure, Hamish. And thank you very much for this, maybe not once and only time, because we may be having you on in the future. Um, Russell, you did well in your, your trial. Thank you very much. A better yeah. crossover than Batman Superman, has to be said. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yes, uh, I have been Hamish Carton. Thanks very much for listening. As always, if you get any thoughts on the show, tweet us in at Busball Podcast. Anything else, if you want to leave us a wee review on iTunes, that'd be wonderful as well. Take care, and we will speak to you very soon. Matt. <laughs> <laughs>